birds of a feather flock together. The birds, Christmas Carol. Uncle Jack did really come on the twentieth. He was not detained by business, nor did he get left behind nor snowed up, as frequently happens in stories and in real life too. I am afraid. The snowstorm came also, and the turkey turkey nearly died a natural and premature death from overeating. Donald came too. Donald with a line of down upon his upper lip, and Greek and Latin on his tongue, and stores of knowledge in his handsome head, and stories. You couldn't turn over a chip without reminding Donald of something that happened at college. One or the other was always at Carol's bedside, for they fancied her paler than she used to be, and they could not bear her out of sight. It was Uncle Jack, though, who sat beside her in the winter twilight lights. The room was quiet and almost dark, save for the snow light outside and the flickering flame of the fire that danced over the sleeping beauty's face and touched the fair one's golden locks with rudier glory. Carol's hand, all too thin and white these latter days, lay close, clasped in Uncle Jack's, they talked together quietly of many, many things. I want to tell you all about my plans for Christmas this year, Uncle Jack, said Carol, on the first evening of his visit, because it will be the loveliest one I ever had. The boys laugh at me for caring so much about it, but it isn't altogether because it is Christmas, nor because it is my birthday, but long, long ago, when I first began to be ill, I used to think the first thing when I waked up on Christmas morning, to, today is Christ's birthday and mine. I didn't put the words close together, you know, because that made it seem too bold. But I just, but I said Christ's birthday out loud, and then in a minute softly to myself and mine. Christ's birthday and mine, and so I don't quite feel about Christmas as other girls do. Mother says she supposes that ever so many other children have been born on that day. I often wonder where they are, Uncle Jack, and whether it is a dear thought to them too, or whether I am so much in bed and so often alone that it means more to me. Oh, I do hope that none of them are poor or cold or hungry, and I wish, I wish they were all as happy as I, because they are really my little brothers and sisters. Now, Uncle Jack, dear, I'm going to try and make somebody happy every single Christmas that I live. And this year, it is to be the Ruggles in the rear, that large and interesting brood of children in the little house at the end of the back garden. Yes, isn't it nice to see so many together? And, Uncle Jack, why do the big families always live in the small houses and the small families in the big houses? We ought to call them the Ruggles children, of course, but Donald began talking of them as the Engelses in the rear, and father and mother took up it up, and now we cannot seem to help it. The house was built for Mr. Carter's coachman, but Mr. Carter lives in Europe, and the gentleman who rents his place for him doesn't care what happens to it. And so this poor family came to live there. When, 
When they first moved in, I used to sit in my window and watch them play in their backyard. They are so strong and jolly and good-natured. And then one day I had a worse headache than usual, and Donald asked them if they would please not scream quite so loud, and they explained that they were having a game of circus, but that they would change and play deaf and dumb, asylum, all the afternoon. Ha, 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 laughed Uncle Jack. What an obliging family, to be sure. Yes, we all thought it very funny, and I smiled at them from the window when I was well enough to be up again. Now Sarah Maud comes to her door when the children come home from school. And if Mother nods her head, yes, that means Carol's very well. And then you ought to hear the little Ruggsies yell. I believe they try to see how much noise they can make, but if Mother shakes her head no, they always play at quiet games. Then one day, Gary, my pet canary, flew out of her cage, and Peter Ruggles caught her and brought her back, and I had him up here in my room to thank him. Is Peter the oldest? No, Sarah Maud is the oldest. She helps do the washing, and Peter is the next. He is a dressmaker's boy. And which is the pretty little red-haired girl? That's Kitty, and the fat youngster, baby Larry. And that most freckled one? Now don't laugh, that's Peoria. Carol, you are joking. No, really, Uncle dear. She was born in Peoria, Illinois, that's all. And is the next boy Oshkos Costly? No, laughed Carol. The others are Susan and Clement and Ellie and Cornelius. They all look exactly alike, except that some of them have more freckles than others. How did you ever learn all their names? Why, I have what I call a window school. It is too cold now, but in warm weather I am wheeled out on my balcony, and the Ruggleses climb up and walk along our garden fence and sit down on the roof of our carriage house. That brings them quite near, and I tell them stories. On Thanksgiving Day they came up for a few minutes. It was quite warm at eleven o'clock, and we told each other what we had to be thankful for, but they gave such queer answers that Elfrida had to run away for fear of laughing, and even I could, couldn't understand them very well. Susan was thankful for trunks, of all things in the world, Cornelius for horse cars, Kitty for pork steak, while Clem, who was very quiet, brightened up when I came to him and said he was thankful for lame puppies. Wasn't that pretty... It might teach some of us a lesson, mightn't it, little girl? That's what Mother said. Now I'm going to give this whole Christmas to the Ruggleses, and Uncle Jack, I earned part of the money myself. You, my bird, how? Well, you see, it could not be my own Christmas if Father gave me all the money, and I thought to really keep Christ's birthday, I ought to do something of my very own, and so I talked with Mother. Of course, she thought of something beautiful, but she, she always does. Her head is just brimming over with lovely thoughts and all. I have to do is, all I have to do is ask, and out pops the very one I want. This thought was to let her write down, just as I told her, a description of how a little girl lived in her own room for three years, and what she did to amuse herself, and we sent it to a magazine and got $25 for it. Just think! Uh, well, well, cried Uncle Jack, my own niece, a real author, and what are you going to do with this wonderful money of yours? I shall give the Ru nine Ruggleses a grand Christmas dinner here in this very room. That will be Father's contribution. 
and afterwards a beautiful Christmas tree, fairly blooming with presents. That will be my part, for I have another way of adding to my $25, so that I can buy nearly anything I choose. I should like it very much if you would sit at the head of the table, Uncle Jack, for nobody could ever be frightened of you, you dearest, dearest, dearest thing that ever was. Mother is going to help us, but Father and the boys are going to eat together downstairs for fear of making the little Rugglesses shy. And after we've had a merry time with the tree, we can open my window and all listen together to the music at the evening church service. If the singing begins before the children go, I've written a letter <coughs> to the organist and asked him if I might have the two songs I like best. Will you see if it is all right? December Bird's Nest, December 21, 1880. Dear Mr. Wilkie, I am the little girl who lives next door to the church, and as I seldom go out, the music on practice days and Sundays is one of my greatest pleasures. I want to know if you can have Carol Brothers Carol on Christmas night, and if the boy who sings My Ain't Country so beautifully may please sing that too. I think it is the loveliest thing in the world, but it always makes me cry. Doesn't it you? If it isn't too much trouble, I hope they can sing them both quite early, as after ten o'clock I may be asleep. Yours respectfully, Carol Bird. P.S. The reason I like Carol, Brothers Carol, is because the choir boys sang it eleven years ago, the morning I was born, and put it into Mother's head to call me Carol. She didn't remember then that my other name would be Bird. Because she was half asleep and could only think of one thing at a time. Donald says if I had been born on the 4th of July, they would have named me Independence. Or if on the 22nd of February, Georgina, or even Cherry, like Cherry and Martin Chuzzlewit. But I, <coughs> but I like my own name and birthday best. Yours truly, Carol Bird. Uncle Jack took the letter quite right and did not even smile at her telling the organist so many family items. The days flew by, as they always fly in holiday time, and it was Christmas Eve before anybody knew it. The family festival was quiet and very pleasant, but almost overshadowed by the grander preparations for the next day. Carol and Elfrida, her pretty German nurse, had ransacked books <coughs> and introduced so many plans and plays and customs and merry-makings from Germany and Holland and England and a dozen other countries that you would scarcely have known how or where you were keeping Christmas. Even the dog and the cat had enjoyed their celebration under Carol's direction. Each had a tiny table with a lighted candle in the center and a bit of blown sausage placed very near it, and everybody laughed till the tears stood in their eyes to see Wilkins and Dinah struggle to nibble the sausages and at the same time to evade the candle flame. Villikins barked and sniffed and howled in impatience, and after many vain attempts, succeeded in dragging off the prize, though he singed his nose in doing it. Dinah, meanwhile, watched him placidly, her delicate nostrils quivering with expectation, and after all excitement had subsided, walked with dignity to the table, her beautiful gray satin trail, sweeping behind her and calmly putting up one velvet paw, drew the sausage gently down and walked out of the room without turning a hair, so to speak. Elfrida had scattered handfuls of seed over the snow in the garden that the 
wild birds might have a comfortable breakfast next morning and had stuffed bundles of dry grasses in the fireplaces so that there ain't this was really only done for fun, but it pleased Carol. And when after dinner the whole family had gone to church to see the Christmas decorations, Carol limped out on her slender crutches, and with Elfrida's help placed all the family's shoes in a row in the upper hall. That was to keep the dear ones from curling all through the year. There were fathers, stout, tall, top boots, mother's pretty button shoes next, then Uncle Jack's Donald's paws and huffs, and at the end of the line, her own little white worsted slippers, last and sweetest of all. Like the children in Austria, she put a lighted candle in her window to guide the dear Christ child, lest he should stumble in the dark night as he passed up the deserted street. This done, she dropped into bed, a rather tired but very happy Christmas fairy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. Thank you.